Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Good afternoon, St. Louis. DGS and KMOX. Happy Tuesday to you. You know what I think sometimes? Weird thoughts. There are humans that, like, let's say that there's a heaven we all meet, and it's like, oh, when did you live? And they're like, uh, oh, I was there when they invented the wheel, or I was there when the, we named the tree. And I'd be like, yeah, I lived during Queen. They'd be like, lucky. Do you ever think like that? <laughs> Just like, be like, the Queen? Like, I got, to, I, got, I got to live while Queen was a band. I don't know. I'm weird like that. <laughs> Kevin think, doesn't like royalty, cool. so yeah. don't no, bring no, up no, Queen. Band is okay. Queen's great. Oh, okay. The Queen. Eh. Sometimes when I hear these guys, <laughs> so Mark Quinn, <laughs> I hope he's not mad at me for this. Uh, Mark is the lead singer of Joe Dirt and uh, El Monstero. And he was in the, the original Dave Glover band. And he and I are just like brothers, just really great friends. And <laughs> he tells the story. He came home one night and he'd been drinking, uh, which he's not a big drinker. Uh, and he woke his girlfriend up. And she thinks there's an emergency. And she's like, what? What is it? And he goes, Queen just rocks so hard. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. They do. Yeah, he's not wrong, though. It's amazing. <laughs> Sometimes you just got to tell somebody. Uh, I love that. Yeah. <laughs> to wake your significant other up. <laughs> Queen just rocks so hard. Yeah. <laughs> well, you just got to think. Put yourself, what frame of mind, what level of confidence would you have to have to write Bohemian Rhapsody mm. and say this works? This is it. Right. I'm... I don't think I've ever been half as confident. <laughs> That's incredible. Yeah. Sonically, what a great band. Oh, they could do everything, just, man. Just a great sound. They could do everything. I mean, you know? like you listen to like that, and then you listen to Bohemian Rhapsody, uh, and then you listen to Stone Cold Crazy, which is totally different. It's a rocking song, like fast. It's like two minutes long. It's almost like a punk bass. You know what amazes me, too, about so many rock bands is like Freddie Mer- Mercury is an alien. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you would think to have a band like Queen, this galactic talent would do a worldwide search for a guitarist and a drummer and a bass player. No, they just all knew each other. Yeah. The Beatles just knew each other. Rolling Stones just knew each other. Right. It's just crazy. Yeah, I mean, to Brian May me. is a literal genius. Yes. Yes. Yeah. I think about that a lot, but think how many bands right now, operating rock bands in the entire world, do you think there are? Oh, there's tons. Like, like, like this is what they do for a living kind yeah. of thing? Yeah. It's a good question. I mean. Like, even if you're just playing bars, right? Yeah. Thousands. Oh, yeah. T- tens so, of thousands easy. So if you have that many thousands of bands, at some point, you're going to get four people or five people who are just the absolute perfect right mix. Yep. Yeah. Right? Yep. 
So that's, but I do think about that a lot. Like, how did, you know, uh, George, Paul, Ringo, John all find each other? Well, yeah. you know, there are a lot of bands out there that have one really great member and a bunch of guys mm-hmm. who stink, or, you yeah. know, a couple of mediocre guys and uh, well, whatever. Like but, bon Jovi, I forget the bass player's name. I'm sure he's doing fine. I'm sure he has an in-ground pool. But he just <laughs> he just wasn't as good as the rest of the band, and he had some addiction problems. And, and at some point, Bon Jovi had to go to him and say, like, yeah, sorry, you're out. Yeah. Uh, Dave Grohl very famously mm-hmm. fired several people. And uh, supposedly the nicest guy in rock music, and probably is, and sometimes you do need to, you know, Look, you're you're Tune not up. you're not even the best drummer in the band, you know, much less yeah. available. So it's interesting too the difference between amazing musicians because you can see them on TikTok. These drummers who can do literally anything, or these guitarists who can play exactly like Jimi Hendrix or exact, but they can't create it. Yeah, right. Like they can't write it. They can't come up with it. They can play it. Yeah, but mm-hmm. they can't be the or they're not the one that can create that unique sound on their own. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's an amazing difference to me, and I think that's that's what you're talking about with Queen and the Beatles and the Stones and any Taylor Swift. I mean, any of the of the really top end people is they're the ones that can not just perform it but make it. Yeah, yeah. I think about this a lot too. With um, that's how you two started. The drummer who was the oldest, I think, by a year. He like just put up a notice. Fourteen or fifteen. He was years like fourteen old. years yeah. old. He put up a notice on the school uh, board. Hey, I'm starting a band, and you know Bono and the Edge and Adam Clayton show up, yeah. and they played in the kitchen, and that's how that started. Yeah. When you think about like the genesis of how a really great band starts, it's usually not sexy at all. Nope. And I, 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 there's something so cool about that. Well, that. You just find the right mix of people that all happen to go to school together. Yeah. The the Killers tell that story. Brandon Flowers, the lead singer, wanted to put a band together. And in, in the free Las Vegas newspaper, you know, you had a want ad and he wanted band members. And he needed a bass player. And he met up with this bass player who responded to the ad. And he goes, we didn't hit it off. He's like, this will never be the guy, but he gave him a cassette tape and he said he put it in his 92 Geo, like that car. <laughs> and it, on the cassette tape was that main riff for Mr. Brightside. Mm. And they ended up, that's the bass player for the Killers. But, I mean, <laughs> he got him in a want ad. Yeah. yeah. What's amazing, too, is you can, the, these, the elite ones, the great ones, they don't sound like anybody else ever. Yeah. Like, of all, think about all the music that's been written over time. Nobody sounds like Freddie Mercury. Nobody sounds like Brian May when he plays the guitar. You know it's them. Oh, you just hear a couple seconds. You know who exactly who it is. Same thing with the Edge. He may not be as flashy as other guys, but you hear it. You, you know, know that's you know him. his guitar. Yeah. You know what's really also amazing is when a band and it almost never works, but it did for for ACDC. It did for Van Halen. When you switch out lead singer, mm-hmm. yeah, that almost never works. Yeah. yeah. Uh, for some reason, I go to Fox News every day. Like I go to every website every day. And for some reason, they've been featuring Sammy Hagar a lot and telling his old stories. And I've always liked Sammy Hagar. And uh, although when I met him, he wasn't the nicest, which was disappointing. <laughs> yeah, because he comes, his image is he's the fun, nice guy. Well, you know, it's not fair to judge people based on like 60 seconds. Yeah. It's just not. Uh, but this was 9 11, like right around 9 11. And I went and bought a guitar from Mark Quinn at uh, Guitar Center, 
And I could not afford this guitar. I had no money. This is very early in my career. I could not afford it. But I bought a red guitar. And Sammy was in. And I had him sign it. And we auctioned it off that night. The Dave Glover Band was playing at Hard Rock Cafe. And that's when uh, KFTK, that started out as just FM talk, that's what the F stood for, I guess, uh, decided to go female talk. And when I asked my boss, Jeff Allen, the program director, I'm like, okay, so what do I do? And he's like, uh, just keep doing the same thing. It's, it's really meaningless. We're just going to try something here. Uh, we had articles in the paper and everything. We already yeah. had females on the station. But uh, anyway, so I walk over there, and Favaz is with Sammy, and I've been a huge Sammy fan my whole life. And he goes, uh, hey, this is Dave Glover. He's next door in the female talk station. And Sammy, being Sammy, goes, female talk? Well, you need to get me to do a show if you want females. <laughs> now, that's a very Sammy Hagar thing to say. There's nothing oh, wrong with man. that. But very I, rock star thing yeah, to say. Yeah, but I was just like, yeah. <laughs> Female talk also is the worst sounding thing. Like, Female talk isn't really catchy, and neither, nor is it empowering. Uh, why don't we have some uh, female talk? Well, it didn't last long. <laughs> yeah, I can see why. It got us some attention. It didn't last long. And like I said, we didn't really change anything. Uh, and, and then 97.1 kind of blew up after that. I thought when you said he was a jerk to you, I thought he was going to be like, female. You're hideous, you know. <laughs> oh man! Like to you? What? No, what he. Are you would, doing I mean, here? it would just—it just took the wind out of my sails. Yeah, yeah. He, he wasn't mean. It just took <laughs> the wind out of my sails. Yeah, he probably thought he was being funny too in the moment, and you would like it. And yeah, probably. Yeah. Another time, I got called over there, and it was Gene Simmons and Paul Stanley, mm-hmm. and I got to like hang, hang, and that was super cool. Mm. And then one time at the point, I got to hang with Switchfoot, who was one of my favorite bands for a couple hours, and you know, like, a lot of great times over there. Met a lot of famous people. Uh, I've told this story before. I always apologize when I tell these stories, but uh, it was probably my first two weeks in radio, and I did a show from four to six, I think, and I was a lawyer. That's that, I was making no money. As I told the story yesterday, I was paying off a bill. I was making no money at radio, but I loved it so much. I loved being around it that I would get there at like 10 in the morning and just like go to lunch with some guys and let my legal practice go even farther in the toilet. And I was walking down the hallway, and I guess Stephen D.C. had had George Foreman on, and it's just me and me and Big George. It's just you remember that hallway, Rachel? It was just me and George, and we get eye to eye, and I go, George, dude, I love your grill, and I immediately go, Oh my god, what? That's the dumbest thing you've ever said to anybody. And he goes completely genuinely, Really? What do you cook on it? And I'm like, oh, burgers, chicken? He goes, I love cooking chicken on it. It's like no one had ever said it to him before yeah. or something. They'd always be like, oh, I remember the fight with Ali. You're the best. Like, yeah, I figured. Hey, champ. And you, like, hit the business. I guess I did. <laughs> His passion. That's awesome. <laughs> I got to admit, when you say George Foreman, the first thing I think of is the grill. The grill. Yeah. 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 What a successful me, product. <laughs> it's good, dude. You know, when... when uh, Celebrities attach their name to a product. Yeah. How often does it turn out like the Foreman grill? Now, yeah. any grill yeah. that kind of looks like that is a Foreman yeah. grill. I mean, it's just a sandwich press, really, but it's so good. Yeah. But you call Easy it a to Foreman. clean. It works fast. I mean, I love him. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> He's best. Thanks, George. Um, so let me tell you guys about Halloween. So we typically do one day of the Halloween show. Uh, in, 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 in over the years, what's happened is it's been one hour followed by a one hour 
uh, synopsis, basically, of the year before. Nothing wrong with that. And this year I decided what I wanted to do was we are eliciting your scary stories. And we'll still take them because we have until next week to pick and choose. You can go to, to djshalloween at gmail.com and just give us a paragraph. Hey, lived in a haunted house and, you know, bread would levitate, whatever. And uh, Andrew will get with you and we'll interview you. Maybe you'll make the cut and you'll be on the Halloween show. Uh, I just recorded a bunch of my stuff because I have two or three experiences uh, that predate the radio show and then two or three experiences on Halloween shows. And uh, I just recorded them. I think they'll, they'll be pretty good. But here's the basic plan. Is it next week, Andrew? Yes. Okay. Next Wednesday. Uh, I'm, are you guys as screwed up about the calendar as I am? Yes, yes. I am. I they thought just, we had like three weeks till I Halloween. did too. I did too. Yeah. So anyway, uh, we'll do Wednesday, Thursday, Friday of next week from 420 to 5. And then Monday and Tuesday of... Mm-hmm. The actual Halloween week, mm-hmm. so you can look forward to that. Lore is going to be the average, the uh, the sponsor of it. So thanks to those guys again. I love those guys over at Lore uh, Distributing, and uh, so yeah, that's what we're going to do. I think it's going to be a lot of fun. Yeah, yeah, it's it's already coming together really well, and uh, I'm getting into it like I do every year. Once we start like really working on the Halloween stuff, it's like man, this stuff is fun. Have you ever had? You tell so many stories about your different eras and personalities. Mm-hmm. Is a Halloween costume in any of those stories like a crazy one? Well, or- I mean, oh, you mean like the a Planet of the Apes monkey lives pretty large. <laughs> <laughs> where uh, I was Cornelius or <laughs> Julius or whoever it was. I was the chimpanzee, the smart one. And uh, it was one of those Kmart, you know. <laughs> plastic mask. Plastic mask you can't breathe through in yeah. the rubber band. That was fine. But being me, and I was probably about 12, uh, I decided, you know what would be even cooler is if I just wore this all the time. <laughs> <laughs> Swear to God. And so my mom and dad, who already knew that they were basically raising a giraffe, uh, they're like, you can't wear it to school. And I'm like, but I can wear it at home. And they're like, dude, if you want to walk around life in a Planet of the Apes mask, knock yourself out. So I did. For probably from Halloween through Christmas. So I would be out there playing football, you know, like f- passing out from a lack of a lack of oxygen coming through that tiny slit in the in the Planet of the Apes mask. Uh, and then there's another story about it that you only get to hear at the stand up. Mm-hmm. But uh, but yeah, that was a pretty weird Halloween <laughs> yeah. costume story. Yeah. Mm hmm. <laughs> well, we, we were always either Kmart mm-hmm. store bought in a box. Or hobo. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Which in South Rock Santa, yeah. it's like, you know, someone answering the door, it could be a hobo too. Yeah. So I think most of mine were pretty half-assed. Like when I was a kid, it was either those or like, I'm going to put on my dad's hockey gear. I'll be a hockey player. I just, I didn't care enough to do a lot. And my parents weren't yeah. about to be like, no, no, we're going to do all the stuff. But you didn't do Halloween, right? Well, I wasn't allowed to go trick-or-treating, and I didn't typically dress up, but my grandma would give away candy, and I would be able to sit there and watch the other kids come trick-or-treat. Oh, that's, that's kind of a sad, sad story. That's I say that seems bad. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. I hated yeah. that story. Yeah, it's not a great story. Oh, I'm sorry, Rachel. It's okay, but I actually I went trick or treating like two years ago with my nieces. I just followed them around, and it was pretty. It's fun, fun. isn't it? Yeah. I got to live vicariously through their joy. I'm glad I got to go trick or treating when it was dark. Yes. Yeah. By ourselves. Yeah. By that was ourselves. Awesome. Yeah, do kids we just go. Do that anymore? No, it's like just three in the around. afternoon. Oh, yeah. I know. Yeah, yeah, we. I mean, we took off. 
it, it, we couldn't we wouldn't even go until it was dark. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. Like right. you had dinner, you That's did right. everything, and like you go around seven o'clock. It was the yeah. best. Boom. Let's go. Uh I have another story after this break. Tell you 124 DGS. Happy Tuesday. Ray Chander, you guys know the classic story of when Phoebe was little Bo Peep. Yes. Oh yeah. And I went to get her a sheep. Alzheimer. But the sheep were dirty. So they gave me a goat. <laughs> yeah. Classically clean. I, I went, out little, to, little goat uh, peep. went out to a petting zoo way out by Innsbruck. It was more of a poking zoo, really, than a petting zoo. And uh, and they had uh, sounds fun. They had a bunch of uh, a bunch of camels. And the lady running it said, would you like to see my baby camel? And I'm like, well, if that's what it takes to, to get a sheep, sure. Uh, so we head out to the camel pen, and she opens this enormous door. Like 15 feet high, like Jurassic Park. And I walk in after her, and I swear to God, this is true. The camels looked at me and looked at each other because I had left the door open. And they just go camel and pass me. And the lady goes, you left the door open? I'm like, I've never been in a camel enclosure. So we spent about half an hour chasing the camels down. Like this, this they happened. Like, he doesn't know. Yeah, he knows exactly. They're like, is that happening? They're like, this is it. This is it. Let's make a run. Are you seeing what I'm seeing? So this guy left the we door look open. through the sheep, and the sheep just there is dirty, like like ugly Brillo pads. So she gives me a goat, and uh, the goat refused. However, goats refuse to be in the back, and so it sat like scrub next to me, like shotgun, <laughs> mm-hmm. and just had the best time of its life. Yeah. It's like this is sweet. Yeah, and I took it back, and I still have a picture. Phoebe's four, five, like the cutest little Bo Peep, and had her little staff. And there's the goat, and the goat fell in love with me. Like, if I got 10 feet away, it would start going crazy. And if I walked back, it's like, okay, cool, here's the dude. And uh, so we went door to door, and I swear to God, it took two or three doors for the goat to get it. The goat would go up to the door and just put its nose on the door, and the kids, (laughs) you know, like, open the door, and there's a goat. It was just the best. That's awesome. It was so great. The goat's like, this is the best night ever. Oh, and when I took it home. (laughs) It was like, dang it. It was. We pulled up, and the goat's like, no! <laughs> Trying to get him out of the car. He's like, uh uh-uh. uh. You're Poor supposed goat. to be my new dad. What's going on? <laughs> my other uh, kid Halloween memory is uh, Nick would have been about, he was in preschool. So he would have been three, four, five years old. And it was Halloween and he was Spider Man. And so Nick's 28. So do the math what year this would have been. Mm-hmm. And I got a call from the place, said, you need to pick Nick up. I'm like, oh my God, what's wrong? And they said, well, he's fine, but he's dressed as a superhero, and we're afraid it could make some of the other kids feel inferior or insecure. What? Th- that he has superpowers. So this would have been, like, 2000, way before, like, Woke and all that yeah. stuff. Yeah. And I thought they were joking, and they weren't. I had to go pick him up. It's the first time I remember something that crazy, liberal, weird uh, I think they still do that to this day in some schools, but I had to pick his little Spider-Man butt up because some of the other kids were just like Little Miss Muffet. And I don't think any of the kids cared, but the school thought that it was... Never no. even heard of that. Yes. Never I've heard of anything like that, that ever. Because That's he so might odd. have special powers, as if he really were the Spider-Man. <laughs> <laughs> 132 DGS on KMOX. 
We have uh, Think Tank coming up later on today with Kurt Barr and Alvin Reed. That should be good. Uh, they took one vote on Jim Jordan, and uh, Hakeem Jeffries had way more votes than he did. Hmm. So I think there were 20 people who voted for someone other than Hakeem Jeffries and Jim Jordan. So he had 200 votes, I think, and he needs 217, and Hakeem Jeffries had 212 or something like mm-hmm. that. So it, it, the, I mean, I don't think anyone thought that Jim Jordan would get it on the first vote. Uh, he says he's willing to have more votes than even Kevin McCarthy did. But so far, I think there are more people voting not for Jim Jordan than they anticipated. Yeah, 20. Yeah. So we'll see how that goes. Do we know why Scalise decided so early on to drop out? Did we ever get a reason for that? Was it just like not worth it to him? I think this is just my understanding that uh, once he got the nomination, that it was made clear to him that he wasn't going to get it. Hey, mm-hmm. there are just too many people that want someone more MAGA. And uh, Scalise being Scalise just said, okay, okay, yeah. I'm out. There may be, I'm sure there is more to it, but I think that was the basis. I think he did say early on he kind of didn't want it, right? Am I am I making that up? I thought he said he wasn't really interested in the first place. he was as passionate as Jim right. Jordan about it. Um, I don't know. I have a thought I want to put out there. And to, to everyone listening, don't just immediately get mad at me. Just listen. <laughs> just listen. It's a little more nuanced than I think you're going to think at first. If Jim Jordan is name Speaker of the House, and and especially if uh, Donald Trump is reelected, which I think is, is absolutely possible. Amy, I'm kind of aiming this towards you so that you can respond in your Amy kind of way. I think that that is the real end of like the Reagan conservative of conservative. I don't know how you go from a second term of Donald Trump and and uh, Jim Jordan is the House Speaker and you return to like the classic hmm. conservatism. I think that that will either be the beginning of the end for MAGA, because as you guys know, if you want someone to fail, typically you just go, okay, go ahead and do it. You know, like, oh, I can box this guy and beat him. Oh, I can beat you in a foot race. Oh, I can beat you in an IQ test. Okay, we'll go ahead and do it because most people fail at what they do, (laughs) right? The more you get to know someone, the less you like them. I think there's a very good chance that if MAGA has its season from 2024 on, it doesn't go well. And I'm not sure that they continue to be a real thing. Either that or they become much bigger. And I know that, like, well, duh, Dave, of course, either they're going to succeed or they're not. But what I'm saying is I think that the next 20 to 30 years of United States governance will largely be affected by the next four years. Mm-hmm. You guys agree, disagree? Yeah, and, and I think as far as the classic conservative Reagan Republican, we are seeing the last gasps for air, namely when Nikki Haley talks, I think, oh, that sounds familiar. That sounds like something that could be Reagan-esque. But the rest of the Republican Party, for the most part, that's dead. The the Reagan Republican, the true conservative party is dead. Uh, What we have now is populist. It's isolationist. It's anti-establishment anti-elitist and that i think 
once it takes hold, it is going to be birthed from MAGA. But even as the vestiges of Donald Trump fade away, that bombastic, uh, very right wing, aggressive, bigger government Republican Party will remain. And I think that will basically be the new iteration of the Republican Party. So kind of like Reagan conservatism on steroids. If not Reagan so much, yelled at people a lot. Well, but not so much because Reagan conservatism would have been a bit more smaller government. This is bigger government. This is more spending. Uh, this is getting more involved in people's lives. Uh, very much populist. And the Reagan conservative, like going back to like the William F. Buckley, they were pretty darn elite. I mean, the the Republican Party used to be something of uh, the bit of the elite party in William yeah. F. Buckley. That's gone. I remember my dad, who was a staunch uh, union Democrat, but would have been very conservative mm -hmm. for the day, you know, uh, used to talk about how Republicans just made their money off the backs of the working man. Mm -hmm. And like, that's just how I grew up. Like, I just had a real picture of like the Monopoly guy. Yeah. Um, I think <laughs> right. I speak, I think I speak for a lot of people wheels. I know I speak for you when I say uh, I no longer have anyone to root for. Mm -hmm. I don't know who to root for. I can't root for Jim Jordan. I can't root for Donald Trump. I can't root for Joe Biden. I certainly can't root for Kamala Harris. Um, I can't root for the Democrat platform. I can't root for the current Republican platform. Uh, I'm one of those people. And I think, I don't know, maybe I'm just wrong, but I think most people are like me in that I'm quite conservative fiscally. Uh, I hate how much money we spend. I think it's a crime, literally, that we spend more than we take in. Uh, and yet socially, I'm pretty agnostic. You know, I support people's right to live they want the way they want to live. I don't want to foist my views on them. I don't want to foist religious views on anyone. You can't live like this because this book says you can't. Uh, I think a lot of people are like that, that they are common sense, don't spend all of our money, have a strong military, fund the police, have safe streets, everyone go to work. Uh, but when it comes to the social stuff, I just don't get excited about trying to keep people from living the way they want to live. I don't know what you call a person like that. I mean, it's in some ways, and I, I think you would see it differently. But if you've heard of like fusionism, which would be libertarian and conservative blended together and like the fusionists, you could lean more conservative, which I would, or you could lean more libertarian, which it sounds like you might. But there is a little bit of that. Now, I mean, this is going back decades. Nobody talks like that anymore. But a little bit of that, I think, reminds me of that 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 balance, that that tension between freedom and virtue. And what do you enforce? What do you not enforce? What do you rely on the people to do for themselves, yeah. to manage and govern their, themselves? I know there aren't a lot of big uh, w. Bush fans out there, and I know that it didn't work very well, but I remember him saying compassionate conservatism mm -hmm. and that, like, hitting a spot in me, like, oh, yeah, yeah, I like that. Like, we're going to be grownups. We're not just going to go crazy on everything, but we're also not going to be a-holes. We're going to be compassionate. There's also never not, I think, uh, until the uh, until we completely collapse, which I guess is possible, right? 
Um, there's never not going to be a time where we have a government that doesn't spend a ton of money. doesn't matter if we're Republicans in charge or Democrat. We're always going to spend a lot of money. But what's going to happen is there's always a difference in how it's spent, right? So, I mean, if you say you want, a, a, on your end, you want a strong military, there's no way to have a strong military without spending a ton of money. And we do. Almost all of our budget is military every single year. On the other hand, you have people who see it differently, like like me. And I think we, we can have a strong military. There's probably a lot of waste. I guarantee I agree with there's that. a lot of military waste. And we could streamline that if we want to, but we never ask questions when it comes to military spending. It's, yep, 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 whatever it is, yep, just do whatever. We never streamline that. Meanwhile, we have millions of people who cannot afford to go to the doctor, who cannot afford to have surgeries that they need, who cannot afford the health care. That, to me, is something that we should prioritize as a country because we have the resources. So there's always going to be spending. I just think we have fundamental disagreements on what that spending should go to. Uh, To your point, uh, a new study just came out saying that the United States is 22nd out of 47 countries when it comes to retirement. And this group gave us a C plus. And it was basically if you're white collar, you're probably okay. But if you're blue collar uh, or below blue collar, you're probably not okay. that you're not going to be able to save enough money to really live very well and that your Social Security is not going to get you a great life and all these other countries, blah, blah, blah. Now, without making judgments of whether that's true or not, uh, I thought that was interesting. And we talk about that a lot on the show. And I know Andrew, of course, is Mr. You know, I hate the corporate America and so forth. Uh, but I'm trying to, what's my question? What could we do better? How could we, because it, it seems to be like a, an all or nothing mm. that people are either like, I, I hate corporations. I hate rich, rich people eat the rich. Let's just take care of poor people in the middle class. And, or it's, Hey, pull yourself up by your bootstraps. I work my ass off to make my millions. You can do the same thing. You're just lazy. What's the middle ground? Or are we on the middle ground? Uh, I, I don't know. But as I, I always think about this, like, how do I describe the way I see things? Uh, I would describe myself as maybe anti-certainty. Too many people are too convinced that they're right. I agree and with that. nobody's willing to listen. Nobody is willing to hear the opposing arguments or to actually look deep into what they believe. And one of the problems is we, because because people are so certain, anything that's different is automatically... A, a life or death challenge to your beliefs. And it's not that serious. Like you can believe a certain set of things and be open to adding to what you know, adding to your knowledge base. And that's why everything becomes a battle. It's socialism or it's capitalism. Well, what what if we just had better rules? We have a free market, but we have like rules that make it fair because I know this is stupid idiot sports guy thing talking about this. And you'll probably agree with me, Raj, but one of the things that makes sports leagues very successful is that there are rules. Every team has to follow them. The wealthiest team, the New York Yankees, has to follow rules just like the Marlins, the poorest team. Now, there are differences. The Yankees can spend more. They can have the biggest payroll. But there's a cost for doing that. And there's no guarantee that it makes you win, that you win. Because the way the rest of the rules are employed gives everyone a shot. There's regulation. 
there's some form of control so that the Yankees can't spend $700 million on their, on their payroll when somebody else, and they can, by the way, but if they do that, they're going to spend so much giving back to the other teams that it's against their best interest to do it. I know that those systems in sports don't work on a no, larger I, scale. I get your it's just the idea. It's the idea that you can still be the big, powerful one that makes all the money, but not unlimited power. Rachel? Back to your question, Dave, as, as far as what can we do better, I think ultimately the responsibility lies with the apathetic American voter. And there are so many people out there who don't vote or just wait until the last second to pick what they're going to do, and they wait until the options have all dwindled down. I mean, these people in power, they're playing the hits to the people who are actually showing up to their concert, right? There are so many people who aren't paying attention, and that's why we're in the mess we are now. The most strident, enthusiastic, fringy people are running things because the average American is too busy living their life. and Or we look at it and we get frustrated and we just throw our hands up in the air. But I think ultimately nothing is really going to change until more people get activated and, and vote more. And I, and I will say this to the point about where's that middle ground, talking about being independent, your bootstraps, but also looking for a safety net. We've also, our priorities have changed as a society and for better or for worse in previous generations, there was a very heavy in, emphasis on the individual, on innovation, on risk taking, you know, high risk, high reward, lots and lots of risk taking and polls have showed that in older generations and previous uh, decades, there's a very strong priority among people for being able to have your independence and freedom and take the risks, but know that there's a high ceiling. What they're finding now, especially with younger Americans, there's more emphasis placed on security. So what you've had is you've had generations of a society that prioritize risk and innovation and high reward, but also you can fail. Now coming up into that society is a group of people who prioritize security overall. So the rules were made for the risk takers saying, okay, this we got to accept this. But now people who value security say, hey, we need to change the rules. Well, I would say that the younger generation feels that way and wants the security because they see um, that life isn't the way it was for their parents and grandparents where you could, you used to be able to go work for a company and it didn't have to be a white collar job. It could be a blue collar job. And you can make a very good living, and you could buy a nice Get house. A pension. And you can have a pension, and you can raise a family, and you had a safety net. Kids are coming out of college. They don't see any safety net for them. And so I think they're, they're desiring that because they look at what's ahead of them, and they think, how in the hell am I going to do all of this? Because the net isn't there for them. I mean, they could take the risks. Used to be you could be a risk taker. You had something to fall back on. It just isn't like that anymore. And I think there's a lot of fear. And I get it. It makes all kinds of sense. 153 DGS. Well, we haven't talked about Taylor Swift yet. Um, I don't know if you guys saw this story that they're having screenings now for her movie. Mm -hmm. And that people are complaining because the people who just want to go see the movie mm -hmm. can't enjoy it. Because people are running around the theaters and screaming and yelling and singing and shooting off pop rockets. And Love it. So it's like a concert. Yeah. Love it. Me yeah. too. But they <laughs> Raise some hell. So the it's people, a concert. The people who go. just yeah. want to like eat some popcorn and watch, watch the, the concert film can't I, do it. I no sympathy. It. When I went and saw BTS in the theater oh, at a concert for the first time, 
It was before they were like the biggest thing over here. So it was like really calm. It was like me and my wife who I was taking and then like just like eight or nine other people like kind of scattered by the theater. They were quiet. Everyone just relaxed and had a nice time. And then we went a second time, you know, a couple of years later when they had like really blown up over here. And it was insane. People were shrieking. It was the worst experience I think I've ever had anywhere. <laughs> People I have were no shrieking at the top of their lungs, yeah. throwing things around, like like jumping in their seats and like Love breaking it. things. Me too. It was insane. Do you know why awful. it's great? Here's why it's great. Because these are a lot of them, I'm sure, in the theater are people who could not go to or afford tickets mm-hmm. to see her in yes. concert. This is a a, a proxy. This is a Taylor celebrated. Swift proxy concert. So they're having a great time. Yeah. I think it's wonderful. And these I'm are the go. same people that get mad when people are standing having fun at sporting events. Like, it's a sporting event. You're supposed to have fun. I don't think that's true. There's a certain amount of decorum that must be afforded in a movie theater versus, like, It's not no, a no. movie. It's a concert. It's a sports arena. This guy talking about decorum. Yeah, yeah. It's Professor... Yeah. He even know what it means. Yeah. I'm talking... Well, I'm the only person in this room who's been to something like this, and I'm telling you, it sucks. That's why... See, Ron <laughs> Was everybody else having... going to see these movies. So was everybody else there, though, having fun? Because it didn't suck for them. I don't know. I didn't talk to them. <laughs> All I know is I am terrified of these people. If you're going to a, a concert screening and the yeah. concert isn't actually happening and you're crying and running yeah. around I'm and going. yelling as if the concert so, is actually going on, going. I am Thank scared you. of you. I'm Thank going. you. That's what I'm talking about. That's it's why I weird. Love it. It's that's, strange. That's why I love it. Ron just being way nicer. I love it because I think these people are so weird and they deserve everything that happens at a Oh, concert. you don't like anything. It's like watching <laughs> Hamilton on Disney Plus and doing backflips in your living room that's because right. you're so hyped that it's just on the freaking screen. You're not actually watching it. It's a recorded performance. <laughs> it's a social event. I'm in. Let's go. He's going. I'm going to go. We're sending Ron. You and I'm going to go you alone. You are not going. Oh, he's going by himself. By myself. That's great. We need video. If you go oh, to that we'll by yourself, oh, they're going to arrest you. All kinds of video. <laughs> <laughs> this episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network, from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. 